Good morning. Oof. Good morning. <laughs> My name is Andrew Vandermoss, one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, it's good to come together and worship. Um, as we do come together, just a couple of things to highlight for you, call your attention to. One is uh, if you are a senior, uh, you have a lunch on Tuesday, and I've been uh, instructed to remind you not only to sign up, but also don't forget your white elephant gift. So I don't know if we repeat together, don't forget your white elephant gift, but that's, uh, that's this, this coming Tuesday. So please sign up in the lobby for that. Uh, the other thing that I just want to highlight is this schedule of events on the back, uh, starting with caroling tonight at 530 uh, so meet here uh, in, the, in the narthex here. We'll go out and then come back and have some hot chocolate. So it's a good way to bring some uh, Christmas truth to people through song. So that is this evening at 5.30. And then the next two Sundays, we have a little bit different service times. There's no Sunday school the next two weeks. Uh, so it's 9 and 11. 9 and 11. We do need to repeat that one, 9 and 11, ready? All right, so that's next Sunday and the Sunday after that, so the Christmas Eve and then New Year's Eve, and then also on Christmas Eve, we have, it's a different service uh, at 6 p.m., so 9 and 11 are, are, are what we normally do on a Sunday morning, and then 6 p.m. Is a, is a separate Christmas Eve service, as we traditionally do. It just happens to fall on Sunday this year. So that, those are the events that are coming up tonight, uh, this week, as we look forward to the, the celebration of Christmas. We are in the third Sunday of Advent. 
the candles of, of hope, peace, and joy this morning. I believe the Van Heese are coming uh, to be our candle lighters. I'm looking, I'm looking. And there they are. The fire is lit. And they are coming forward. There is an Advent litany in your bulletin. If you read your section, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Lift your droop. Relight the candle of joy this morning. And remember that Jesus is our joy. This morning, I'm Jerry Gortmaker, one of the elders here at Christ Church. It is the Lord who calls us today to worship, and going right along with this aspect of prepare the way of the Lord is a prophecy that comes to us from Zechariah out of the book of Luke. He was, of course, the father of John the Baptist, saying these words this morning, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant to us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people 
in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Please stand with me together here in body or in spirit. Let's sing together Marvelous Light printed there in your worship guide.
sings praise eternal Thus the choir of angels sings On the riches for dominion Thus its praise creation brings Singing glory, singing glory Glory, glory to the King now. Lord, we proclaim you all glory to God the Father, all glory to God the Son, and all glory to the Spirit, to the three in one. We celebrate this Advent season with joy because, Jesus, you are our Emmanuel. You have come to save us from our sin. You are the king who left heaven's throne, entered this world in the vulnerability of a baby. We are left in awe at the wonder of this incarnation. God became man. How can we explain this? Grace and truth are manifest in you. You were, you were born to die. All glory to the Lamb this morning, who was slain for us, for you alone are God, and we worship you this morning. We pray all these things now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Come to the time of our confession and repentance this morning. This is a call of confession, comes to us from Isaiah chapter 42. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war, he stirs up his zeal. He cries out, he shouts aloud, he shows himself mighty against his foes. For a long time I have held my peace, I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will grasp, gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all the vegetation. I will turn their rivers into islands and dry up their pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame, who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. I'll bring a prayer of corporate confession this morning, followed by opportunity for you to bring your own private confessions before God. Lord God, you are holy, you are righteous, Lord, you know we are a sinful people. We are a broken people. We struggle with our sin, and you know that we are prone to leave even the God we say we love. Lord, you know we are too quick to abandon the right way, 
and so easily we choose the wrong. This morning, Lord, we look to you. We look to Jesus, who has kept the law for us, because this is something we could not do. You've revealed our sinful condition through the law, and now we confess our sin. We plead for the blood of Jesus Christ. Please cleanse us, make us more like you. We come to you now with our prayers. Hear us, O Lord. And in the faithful name of the Lord, we pray these things. Amen. Hear this declaration of forgiveness that comes to us this morning from Isaiah chapter 12. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout, sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Let's stand together again and let's sing from our Trinity hymnal number 213, What Child Is This? And our children be dismissed to their worship at the end of this song.
read together this uh, passage of scripture. I will read the passage out of Hebrews. As you know, Andrew's been preaching, Michael's been preaching on this passage. Jesus, of course, is superior in every way. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing man many sons to glory, should make the founder of the salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God has given me. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when he tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we come to you again thanking you for this word. We see that Jesus in every way is superior 
superior to the angels, even though he was made lower than the angels. He came as a babe, grew up as a man, gave his very life for us, accomplished so much on the cross, brought us salvation, and you are satisfied, O God, through his sacrifice. I pray today that you will be with Pastor Andrew as he brings this message to us. May we hear the words that we need to hear today. May the Spirit reach our hearts today. May we open our ears. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for all that you have done on our behalf. And we pray all this now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. All right, are you ready for this? F times X equals AX squared plus 6X plus C. Who's got it? And everybody looks at Tom Schofield. The, uh, I th- started sermons before with grammar problems, but uh, I don't think I've ever started one with an equation. This is, uh, according to Google, uh, the equation of a parabola. Uh, that if we want to measure parabolas, we can always plug it into this equation and we can see the focus that is equal to the, uh, I forget what that line is called, the discriminant or something like that. And uh, anyway, what's a parabola? Parabola is a smile. Uh, It is the high point, the low point, returning to the high point. I guess it could be an inverted parabola. You could have a low point and a high point returning to a lower point, but you get the idea. Uh, It is a shape. It is a shape that helps us to approach what we are talking about here in Hebrews uh, as the preacher to the Hebrews, because remember, Hebrews is a a sermon that is delivered to this group of people who is tired. We've read from chapter 12 uh, this morning already, the drooping hands and the weak knees, uh, a church that is about to give up on Jesus because they they just don't see how he is practically helping him in the, in the present, in their present. In fact, uh, he's making things considerably more difficult because believing in Jesus brings persecution. Believing in Jesus uh, sets them apart, makes them a peculiar people that's looked down and laughed upon. And, and all of these things, they're, they're beginning to lose hope, beginning to lose confidence, beginning to be swallowed up by the darkness and wondering, maybe we just go back to, uh, we go back to some of the, the more tangible tenets of Judaism with angels and sacrifices and priests and the law and all of these things. That would be a lot easier than believing in Jesus. And in addressing this, the preacher comes to them and says, you have to remember the shape. 
You have to remember the shape of the gospel. Uh, You have to remember that Jesus is the most exalted one. And he started us with that in chapter 1 where he said he's the one through whom and and by whom all things are made. He's the one that, that holds everything together. He's more exalted than the angels, these heavenly beings that Michael unpacked for us last week, that if we were to see an angel today, day in all of its brightness and and glory, we would be tempted to worship the angel. Uh, But that would be misplaced worship, for Jesus is higher than the angels. But this same Jesus, who holds the most exalted place in the universe, has made Himself a little lower than the angels, and He's wrapped Himself in human flesh. He's entered our world, and and that's the story that now the preacher is beginning to say was not to angels, uh, but it's to Jesus. Uh, We see Him, verse 9, He's constantly bringing us back to Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering and death, so that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. Since the children share in flesh and blood, verse 14, He Himself likewise partook of the same things that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death. He has to be made like His brothers in every respect so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. This, This is the shape. Jesus, the exalted one, descends takes on human flesh, becomes incarnate. That's what Christmas is all about, the incarnation of Jesus. In order to what? Verse 10, in order that He might bring many sons to glory, that He might return to His exalted position, but not alone, bringing many sons to glory. That that is the parabolic shape of Jesus' ministry to us. Uh, Exaltation, humiliation, returning to exaltation. Why does He do that? Well, verse 14 tells us, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He likewise partook of the same things. He does it on behalf of humanity. And we see here in chapter 2, particularly when you look at verses 5 to 8, you see that it is our own shape that Jesus comes to match. So, the preacher here is talking about angels, and then he turns the attention to humanity in verse 5. It was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we have been speaking, It has been testified somewhere, and now he quotes Psalm 8, and he says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him. And he's still talking about humanity here with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection 
under his feet. He's basically going back to uh, Genesis 1 and 2, and he's saying that in the creation of humanity, God created a, a, an image bearer. He created a vice regent to rule over and to have the world uh, to, to, uh, to nurture and to care for the world that God has created him. But there's a problem, and you get that at the end of verse 8, but at the present, we do not see everything in subjection to humanity. We don't see everything in subjection to him. Again, he's talking about humanity there. He's saying man was created, humanity was created uh, just a little lower than the angels, was created as the image bearer of God in order to nurture and care for this world that God created. But it's not the way it is. Why? Well, we know the story. We know it's the fall. We know that man reached beyond himself, wanted to be God, and in that reach fell all the way and lost control, lost their dignity, lost everything that God had given to us in creation. And so, in a very understated way, what the preacher says at the end of verse 8 is, at the present, we do not see everything in subjection to Him. There is this waiting, there's this longing, there's this darkness. This is what the Hebrews experience. This is what we experience. Even after the, the first parousia, the first coming of Jesus, as we wait the second parousia, the second coming of Jesus, we wait because it's not complete. Uh, the, par the parabola, if you will, is still at its downward point, and it hasn't yet reached the pinnacle. It hasn't yet reached the glory. Here's the good news about Jesus's parabola and ours, is that Jesus recognized our need and did not stay away. You know, when we come to Advent, when we come to Christmas and we celebrate the incarnation, uh, this is the, the first sort of note that that. Uh, that warms our hearts, that, that makes our hearts leap towards the good news is that Jesus saw, He saw our plight, He saw our despair, He saw our darkness, darkness that we brought on ourselves, and He said, I'm going to do something about it. I, I'm, I'm going to enter in, become like the children of flesh and blood in order to bring them to glory. The second thing that we observe here is that the pinnacle comes at the nadir. Uh, so the nadir is the, the lowest point. Uh, the lowest point in a story, the lowest point in a narrative, the lowest point uh, is the place where we, we lose all hope. But in the gospel story, uh, God, in His wisdom and in His, uh, in His wonder, turns all of that on its head, and it is at the moment where we think that all is lost uh, that God does His most profound and His marvelous work. How do we see that? Look at verse 9. 
But we see him, so now he's talking about Jesus, the hymns have changed, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. So we have the pronoun identified there. And this is his whole point, right? You are struggling, drooping hands, weak knees. You're forsaking the assembling together of the church. You're wanting to go back to Judaism. The whole point is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. We, we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. We see Him crowned with glory and honor. And we're like, amen. I, I love that. We know that Jesus is the King of kings. We've been singing about it uh, this morning. Uh, the King of kings, salvation brings, let every heart enthrone Him. We've been singing about this all throughout. But notice what verse 9 says crowned him. He was crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Uh, it, it is an absolutely mind-blowing, humbling uh, take your breath away, I think I actually can have hope kind of verse. When we realize that, that God, he, he doesn't, He sees the brokenness of the world. He sees the absolute mess of our lives. And He doesn't look away, but He enters in and He takes that on Himself in such a way that it, the suffering, the death, becomes His glory and His honor. The, the preacher goes on to even play this out a little bit. Uh, you see in, in verse 14, he, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death or, or by means of death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus, Jesus turned the story around because up until this point, for everybody who died, that was the end of the story. And, and for a lot of people, we, we live our lives that way. Like, like death is the ultimate, the final. When we come to death, that is the end of our story. So much of the world lives with that sort of narrative in mind. But Jesus turned it on its head because He said, and, and His death actually destroyed the power of the one uh, who has the power of death, that is the devil, and delivers all of those through fear of death, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. What he's saying here is that his, his victory was his death. The pinnacle comes at the nadir. It, it's there when, when you thought all was lost that he was actually exercising victory. It was through death that he defeated death. It was through death that he defeated our fear of death. Think about that. And you know, I know that we are all at various places in our journey along uh, this path of life. Some of you 
are actually getting closer to death. Well, we all are, right? Day by day. Uh, one out of one of us here will die. Uh, it, it is something, you know, Hebrews will say it later in chapter 9, uh, verse 27. It, it is appointed unto, unto humanity once to die. Uh, and that's our reality. But, but some of you are feeling that. You're feeling that. And, and there's anxiety with that. There's, a, there's an unknown behind that. And we, we fear that. But what the Scriptures is saying here is that Jesus died so that we no longer need to fear death. He has defeated it. Death has lost its sting, Paul says. Uh, it, it, it can't hurt us anymore. There is life that goes beyond that. And, and this is what the preacher to this congregation is saying. You need to remember this. You know, you're, you're being persecuted right now, and, and some of them very well were dying. We, we know about the, the Romans and how they persecuted the Christians and how they killed them, and he's saying, look at Jesus. He died so that you don't have to. He died so that death has no power over you. It holds no fear. Do you believe this is what he's saying? And he even goes on a little bit further in verse 17. He says he has to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make, here you go, big theological word, propitiation for the, th for the sins of the people. To become, Jesus was the priest who would become the atoning sacrifice. He is the one who would appease the just wrath of God against sin in order that not only would we not have to fear death, but we would not have to fear the judgment of God. And again, the writer of the Hebrews is consistent because if you know Hebrews 9, 27, he says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the, the judgment. And, and so he's telling us here that in his suffering and death, which crowns him with glory and honor, he has not only defeated death, but he has appeased the just judgment of God against the sin that would otherwise stand against us, would otherwise mark us as unworthy to enter into the heavenly places. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Like what... What, what practical difference is that making in your life today? We're actually going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but I just leave that question for you. In all of this, verse 10, uh, it says, It was fitting that He, talking about Jesus again, for whom and by whom all things exist, going back to the earlier verses of chapter 1, in bringing many sons to glory, and again, sons here is not to be seen just as a, a gender marker, like it's men to glory. That's, that's not it at all. He's saying he's bringing people to glory with the full rights of sonship. They inherit everything. Nothing is held back from you, male or female. You are given the dignity uh, uh, of a son that was in that first century. In bringing many sons to glory, he should make the founder of their salvation perfect 
through suffering. Uh, there's some language there. Some of you know the, there are different uh, translations. The founder of their salvation, perfect through suffering. It's the Greek term for founder is archegos. Uh, archegos has a, a pretty wide lexical range. Uh, could be founder, pioneer, uh, source, um, captain, champion. And the idea here is that Jesus is the one who has taken up the white glove and He has gone into battle in our place. And because of what He has done, we have a life rope. We have hope. We have everything that we need to get through everything that we're going through. It's a wonderful picture, this divine parabola where Jesus leaves His glory, uh, comes down in order to bring many sons to glory. How does He do it? He does it by His death. He does it by becoming the sacrifice, the propitiation in order that God's just judgment might be appeased. And what's the result? This is, I think, some of the, uh, the greatest encouragement that we can receive when we read the story here as it gets played out. Uh, that is why, for he who sanctifies, this is verse 11, uh, and those who are sanctified all have one origin. So there's that same idea. Jesus is the, the source, the origin uh, he's the one that we are drawn from. We're united to Him, and therefore we, we have one origin. Uh, that is why He is not ashamed to call us brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. When Jesus uh, comes into glory, He brings many sons to glory, uh, and He sings their praise in the middle of it. Two, two thoughts for you here. Do you recognize the journey that you are on? Uh, humanity subject glory you know humanity sin degradation glory if you are united to Christ it, by faith if you've surrendered to him if, if your heart says yes Jesus I am uh, putting all of my eggs in your basket I am uh, giving myself to you that that is your ark now, if, if you haven't made peace with Jesus, it's a different story. You, you have a different ark. But, but for the believers, and that's who this preacher is preaching to, he's saying, this is your ark. And so what you have to understand is that no matter what your present is now, you're destined for glory. You're destined for glory, so live like it. Is, is that what is occupying your heart and your mind right now, even in the midst of these difficulties? And the, this congregation would probably say, no, 
We're not, we're not consumed with glory. We're actually consumed with our present. These are the things that are occupying our mind, and these are the things that are weighing us down. And what the preacher is saying is, remember glory. This is what you were made for. And, and this is what we are always invited to have occupy us on a day-to-day basis. This is what we are invited to obsess about. If you want to obsess about something, obsess about glory. Obsess about, you know, become compulsive about thinking about glory and, and, and meditating on glory. It's always interesting to me, and I don't mean this, I, I just say it. I, I don't mean any, um, uh, any, any degradation with it because I'm probably just as guilty of this as anybody. But how many of us talk about heaven and look forward to going to heaven but are very content with the things of the earth? We, we don't think about heaven. We're, we're, not, we're not taken up with it. You know, we, we don't really live the life of God in our soul right now. One writer put it this way. This is Henry Skugel who, who wrote a book called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. He says, the, the Christian who is occupied with the Lord has a delightful and affectionate sense of the divine perfections. This was written in 1677, by the way. Uh, a delightful and affectionate sense of the divine perfections, which makes the soul resign and sacrifice itself wholly unto Him, desiring above all things to please Him and delighting in nothing so much as in fellowship and communion with Him, and ready to do or to suffer anything for His sake or at His pleasure." What Skugel is saying there is that we, we become fascinated with the things of God. Rather than escaping into our novels or escaping into history or politics or escaping into Netflix or escaping into our sports or our music or whatever it is that we escape to, we, we become fixated, we become fascinated by the life of God. His affections, His delights, they become our delights. And then, you know, we experience glory in the here and now. There's, there's not this sharp distinction. I think for many people, we, we think about wanting to be in heaven, but we're so content with the things on earth right now. Do we really want to be in heaven? You know, there's just going to be a sharp disjunctive there between earth and heaven and, and, and what the writer of the Hebrews is saying is you're going through a difficult time. Occupy yourself with things of heaven. And then you will experience the heaven on earth even now. And he goes even one step farther in terms of encouraging. And I think this is really encouraging. I think about these Hebrews. You know, there, there are probably many who have uh, fallen off the wagon. Uh, who have become... Uh, disbelieving and disaffectionate of their Lord. But he says, remember this, when you are united to Jesus, your captain, your champion in faith, 
he is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister. He is not ashamed to have you as part of his family. And so many of us wonder at that because we, we live with so much shame, not talking about legitimate shame, which is true guilt that leads to repentance that we have over sin in our lives, but talking about the illegitimate shame that attacks our personal dignity, fills us with messages like, you are worthless, you are dirty, you are perverted, you are stupid, you are ugly, and you are unwanted. You know, we go on and on with the shame messages in our life. And what the Scripture says is Jesus is not ashamed of you. In fact, and this is really a twist here, right? Uh, Verse 12, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. The I here is Jesus. Jesus is talking about you. You know, fill in your name, personalize this. You know, I, I will tell of Andrew to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing Andrew's praise. Can, can you believe that? You know, th- this is the, the story of this divine parabola where, where Jesus comes not only just to defeat Satan, not only just to become an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation for us, but He comes in order to bring us a righteousness that is so affixed to us that He is proud of us. He is not ashamed. And He is singing your praises in the midst of the congregation. So we understand what what this preacher is saying. He keeps saying, he says, lift up your eyes. Consider Him. Look at Jesus. You are discouraged. You are beaten down. You are filled with these shame messages. You feel weak. You feel tired. You feel like you can't go on. Consider Him. Look at Jesus. Understand the absolute finishedness of His work and what He has given to you. And lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees and continue to walk uh, holding on to Him. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank You for this message. It, it comes to us and it's, it's so surprising because we, uh, unless we, we really press into this, unless we really seek to Uh, understand this, um, seek to inhabit it and allow it to inhabit us, we, we just can't believe it. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray today that you would help us to believe And may these truths occupy our hearts more and more. May the things of earth grow strangely dim in light of this beautiful glory and grace. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing and and, uh, allow the depth of the Father's love for us to land in our hearts and, and to stay there 
even today and throughout the week. How deep the Father's love for us. It's printed for you in your bulletin. Stand together in body and or spirit. seated. like to invite uh, up front to Sojourn Churchwell, the Newberts, uh, Fred and Jen, Freddie, Gloria, and Hope, and Theo Yashugi. 
this morning we have an opportunity, as along with the elders of the church as well, uh, this morning we have an opportunity to uh, witness this sense of family. Come on up front, right up here. Uh, can't hide today. So uh, we have this sense of, of family that the scriptures talk about that we've heard this morning in terms of sons, daughters, heirs, uh, brothers, sisters, part of the family of, of, who, of God's family. Uh, these are the Newberts. Uh, this is Fred and Jen, uh, along with Freddie, Gloria, and Hope. Uh, this is Sojourn Churchwell, and this is Theo Yashugi. And all of them have come to, to make profession of their faith, uh, to acknowledge that their greatest hope is in a God who has entered into our world in order to become death, in order that we might have life. It's really a tremendous story and one that I am grateful to share with each of these people. Sojourn this morning is, is also going to be baptized. Uh, she was uh, raised in a little bit different uh, background with regards to baptism, and, and it made sense for her to wait until she had made this profession of faith uh, to receive the sacrament. And so we're very grateful for that opportunity for, to baptize her. It is, it is the sign. You know, we think about it this morning uh, in terms of that propitiation, the sacrifice. Baptism is the sign and the seal uh, that we're no longer dirty. We're, we're no longer uh, marked by the filth that would otherwise cling to us, but we are washed clean. And, and I say sign and seal because it, it's not just something, you know, it, it's not just a ritual, it's not just water. Uh, it, it is actually the Holy Spirit that works with our baptism. And, and so, in a very real sense, when we talk about sacraments, they're, they're for the church, it's not just for sojourn this morning, but all of us are, are united in the sense that we're united into Christ. And, and as she is baptized, you know, our, our bodies should tingle as well with the reality that we too have been washed, that we too are sealed, that Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister and so we hear these professions this morning, and we remember that. I'm going to ask you all of these questions, uh, and then we'll baptize Sojourn. Uh, to all of you, just one other word about the Newberts. Uh, you probably don't see them a lot here because they are actually just moved. Uh, Fred just retired from the military. They've moved to West Michigan, settled in Muskegon, and, and called me this summer and said, hey, I, I, would you guys be, they have a PCA background. Fred is actually a ruling elder in the PCA. Uh, would you guys think at all about planting a church in Muskegon? 
And uh, I was like, well, it just so happens uh, we've been pretty involved in that. And so they have plugged in with that Muskegon core group. Uh, but until that church is established, uh, they would like their membership to reside here so they can be part of the Great Lakes Presbytery and all of those things. So they, they come a couple times a month, maybe you might see them. But, uh, but that's who they are, and it's just part of God's story, the way that he keeps building his church in various ways, uh, you know, that he would send us a family that has some background, the PCA, and all of those different things, so uh, very happy about that. Sorry for the sidelight. Back to the questions. <laughs> uh, do you all acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure, and without hope, except for through His sovereign mercy. Do you? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest on Him alone for salvation as He is offered to you in the gospel? Do you? And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance on the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? Do you? And do you promise to support the church in its worship and its work to the best of your ability, do you? And finally, do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to strive for its purity and its peace, do you? Brothers and sisters of Christ Church, do you, do you receive these as members of our family, uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, fellow members of the body of Christ, and do you promise to live with them and to care for them according to the work of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit that is poured out among us? If this is your intent, your desire, your heart, answer uh, with a hearty amen. 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 All right, Sojourn, come on forward. Can you kneel? Okay. Well, here, why don't you come up a little bit? We'll get behind there. Sojourn Church, well, too many things to remember this morning. Sorry, you're young yet. You can stay on your knees for a second. Uh, if that were some of us, we would not be able to do so. I, I love the passage that you have chosen from Jeremiah chapter 29. Some of you are familiar with this. It makes its way onto a lot of graduation cards uh, where it says, I know the plans that I have for you. But in its context, it's a, it's a letter by the prophet to exiles. And they're in exile because of their, their sin, because they've forgotten God. And so God says, you know, I will visit you. I will fulfill my promise to you. I know the plans that I have for you. Uh, you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you, you will seek, and you will find me when you seek with all your heart. Sojourn, it's really a, a beautiful promise, and one that I hope as these waters of baptism come to you, you recognize that God is sealing that to you, not only for today, but for all of your life, that when you call to Him, He will come, and He will always be your Lord and your Savior. Sojourn Churchwell, child of the covenant, Loved of God, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. We pray with me, Lord, as we are here and we see your grace poured out, poured out on us, nothing, nothing held back. You, you made yourself death in order that we might have life. We pray that it would reside deep in all of our hearts. We thank you for the new births, for the journey that they are on. Lord, I thank you for uh, Theo Yashugi. Thank you for the work that you have done in his heart through his parents, through Shinji and Margaret, but through this church as well. I thank you for the profession that he is making today. We thank you for Sojourn and the opportunity that she has now through this sacrament and the administration of it uh, to, to have the sign and the seal that when we call to you, you will always be found. You'll never be far from us. So, Lord, we pray that all of us would be strengthened and encouraged today in all that we do. Lord, we pray for us as a congregation that we would uh, link arms truly, not in our own strength, but in the finished work of Christ, that we might stand. In Jesus' name, amen. You may. We want to welcome you. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, Theo, Welcome to uh, Christ Church, encourage you all to uh, welcome them as well, Jen. Uh, the elders are going to come through and extend the right hand of fellowship to you. And uh, like I said, encourage you all to embrace these people physically, embrace them uh, spiritually uh, as part of our family. I'm going to invite uh, Micah Maupin to come at this time as these folks are making their way off the this, this stage. And he is going to be uh, leading our highlight for the Advent offering this morning. The Advent offering is for the Care Portal. You remember that uh, we take an Advent offering over these four Sundays in Advent. Uh, all of it comes together, gets divided up between the four. Care Portal is what we're going to hear about today from our brother Micah. Did any of you have difficulty hearing those needs? Okay. So now you understand that oftentimes the barrier is that we don't hear the needs. And so Care Portal has changed that. And I want to present this to you um, in a way that, that helps us see what these needs are. So the needs... At the center of each one of these needs that you heard and that come through the care portal, there's a child. And if I get a little emotional about this, it's because we've, as a family, have experienced this um, as we've raised uh, our own 12 children, six of which came through the foster care system that we adopted. 
Those children are vulnerable and they need stability and they need safety. So the next thing I wanna talk about is the resources. The resources that the church provides, the financial resources, will go to provide those things that were just requested in those needs. Whether it's a trundle bed, whether it's diapers, formula, a gate to keep kids from going down steps in a foster care placement because they weren't expecting to get four-year-olds. Uh, it could be uh, repairs to a vehicle. There's just there's so many things that, the, uh, that could come through the care portal. We don't always know what to expect, but we need to be ready to address them. Now, these, these needs are going to help to preserve a biological family. They're going to help to reunify a family. They may help preserve a kinship placement. These are the areas of where these needs are going to be put in order to solidify families. See, the, the, the enemy wants to destroy the families, and the church is called to bring the families back together. Now, we're going to move to the next slide. There's only two slides. <laughs> now, I have actually forgotten what this slide says, so can everyone read this? That's not a trick, I promise. Okay, so our response is yes, as the church, we can help. Now, how can we help? When we get on Care Portal and we see that, that box come up after a need has been read, we can click on it. And when we click on it, we can say, I'm willing to pray, because prayer is the first line of defense. We need God's wisdom, we need his direction, we need him to guide us into these situations that are typically messy and difficult. The next way we can do it is we can provide the item for the family. You might have a couch, a black couch, because they need a dark color because they have young kids. You might have that in, in your house that you're willing to donate. Uh, we might be able to go over to a furniture store and purchase it for a good price. Um, The second thing we, or the other thing we can do is we can network with other churches that are involved in the care portal system, because sometimes the needs that come through are quite large, and they require more than one person to be involved. We can also partner with uh, companies around Grand Rapids that want to give items, but the system is set up so that they don't give them directly to the families, they give them through the church. Why the church? Why is the church the one that we want to go to the families and take the items? It's not a rhetorical, it's kind of a rhetorical question, I'll answer it for you. Um, because the church is uniquely gifted, we are uniquely gifted to take these items in one hand to a family, but we also, in the other hand, carry the light of Christ. Because this item will solve a need that a family has but the light of Christ will actually change their lives. And that's what we bring that other organizations cannot. So as a, as a community, as a church, we've been able to respond to 11 needs. That means 11 families that we've touched with the light of Christ. And we'd like to do more. And we can do more with your help financially. But what I'm also going to call you to do is to join us to become part of this community, to, to join and be a responder, to be the one that clicks the yes, I can help, 
and go and meet a family, bring an item, pray for them. Now, you may not know what to do, and that's okay, because I'm going to invite you to open up your bulletin, and at the top there is a QR code that you can click on. And in that QR code, you're going to see the first thing at the top is Care Portal. If you click on that button, what it will do is it'll take you to a, um, something you can fill out with your name and information. I promise you, you are not signing up for spam emails. You're not signing up to be part of it. If you're interested, you're signing up to learn more. And we're going to offer a class to the youth uh, in January, which I invite the youth with their parents to, to be a part of. And then we're also in February going to offer a luncheon where you can come and you can ask questions. You can find out more and we can unpack these things that I've talked about um, in this announcement. So if you click on that, then we will get your information and be able to stay in communication with you. So if you have questions, we do have a core team already. Um, that's made up of myself and my wife, Heather, Lisa Vandermoss, Jason Harley, and Andrew Vanderput. And if you have questions, feel free to ask. And we'll be available for the next uh, uh, period of time and also for the second service. Thank you, guys. And I don't even think I introduced myself. Did I? I, I did. He did. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I'm good. I knew I'd forget to do that. Thank you. Amen. So Care Portal, they, uh, becoming a major or, or becoming a, a significant arm of the deacons, a, a way that we actually get connected with the needs uh, in our community. And as you heard, you can learn more in the various ways. Let's pray together. Father, as we bring our gifts into your house, we pray that you would bless them. We have been so blessed. We've heard of that all this morning. Uh, but we pray now that as we give back to you, that you would take these gifts, that you would use them in the service of your kingdom. Lord, we know, we've been reminded that there are a lot of needs out there in our community, and we don't always hear them. Uh, and, and so we're grateful for things like Care Portal that help us get connected. Uh, those of us who have resources with those of us who need resources. But Lord, we, we know even more than Care Portal, you, we have you. And, and you bring to us the people, you lead us in a direction, and we pray that you would help us to do that. Father, we know that there are needs in our own congregation. We hold before you uh, these two dear sisters, uh, Wilma Greening and Marilyn Mills, both of whom are struggling. Uh, Marilyn with a fall, even last night. Uh, Wilma continuing to be in the hospital and, and needing you by her side as she uh, seeks to recover from a, a recent procedure. Uh, Lord, please be close to them and with all who need you in a special way. We offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name, amen. There are red friendship pads on the end of each row. If you can fill them out, pass them down and back again. It's great to get to know those who you are worshiping with this morning.
Let's stand together. Sing the Advent Dexology. you go out into your week now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all ages now and forevermore go in that strength and in that peace amen Amen.